Amen. Hey, what, can we give it up for Leo? Thank you, Leo, for leading us tonight. Amazing, man. Uh, loved your call to worship. Hey, guys, my name's Chris, and uh, I'm a pastor in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, Tony invited me to come hang out with you guys and teach the Bible, and last night was an absolute joy. The Spirit of God was in the room and ministering, and I just want to say thank you for getting in your car, driving out here away from the city. Uh, it, it felt a little creepy. I got a little uncomfortable. Like, if I take an off-road what happens? Like, the, if I get a flat tire out here, what happens? You know, like, I just get a little nervous out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but I just want to say thank you for getting in your car. Thank you for coming here, uh, putting yourself in a posture where you're going to learn about Jesus and look at the personal work of Jesus and hang out with God's people. And um, a couple things might be happening in your hearts right now. Can we just keep it real? Like, some of you guys are like, this is awesome. I've been looking forward to this. Some of my favorite people in the room, that last song, like, that's my go-to. Like, I've been hitting that on my playlist on the regular. Like, God is my redemption. Y'all were all in. Some of you are like, this is a little much. Like, some of you are like, I don't know if I love Jesus like some of those people. Can we be real? Like, some, some folks here are, like, charismatic in their expression. It is so clear that they have personally encountered this guy named Jesus Christ. Uh, when they're singing, there's emotion that marks their face and their posture before the Lord because God has done something to them. Jesus is not just a religious figure or a theological truth. Like, Jesus is their friend. Jesus is their savior. Jesus is their king. Jesus is the one who took their sins and shame. Like, you can see that on people. They come ready to worship. That's awesome, Jesus people, by the way. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. I came to one of these when I was 18 years old, and uh, I was at college, and there wasn't a whole lot going on uh, on a weekend. They're like, we're all going to go camping. It's going to be amazing, and all the cute girls from other schools from around the state are going to be there. You should go. And then I walked into a room like this and was like, whoa, this is like, like next-level Jesus stuff. And I don't know if I believe in Jesus like some of these people. I don't know if I've encountered him like these people. I don't know if I can feel at home in this place. I just want to say God met me that weekend. And uh, the corporate worship of God's people was actually a witness to me that I wanted more of the kingdom of God, not less. And uh, so wherever you're at, I just want to say it's okay to be here. Uh, God is going to meet you in your story. Let me introduce some of this theme before we jump into our text. If you've got a Bible, if we're going to be in Luke all weekend together. So open up your Bible to Luke. If you've got it, it's in the New Testament. Uh, it records the life uh, death and resurrection of Jesus. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to be looking at two women in their encounter with Jesus. And uh, one is going to sit at his feet, one is going to be serving. And the question we're going to ask is like, what is kingdom life really like, right? Like, is our primary role of being a Christian to serve and to do and to achieve and to make ourselves useful? Or, or in kingdom of God living as a Christian before Jesus, is there actually something more? Sitting, enjoying, finding Jesus not just useful, but beautiful, worshiping him, learning from him. So let me set up this theme of kingdom living. If you guys are like, what is this whole thing about? Uh, here's what the Bible says. Jesus Christ is a king, okay? He's more than just a sacrificial uh, lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Jesus is a king. He's a risen, victorious king. And that might make some of you nervous because anybody who has ultimate, unlimited authority, like a king can wield, he has ultimate power and authority. You're like, how's he gonna use that power and authority? Um, that's a great question to ask. But when I think about Jesus, how did he use his authority? How did, how did he lead his people? What did he do? He was a king who, who didn't say, you've got to fight for me. He's a king who said, no, no, I'll go and fight for you. He didn't, he's not a king who said, no, 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 I, I'm welcoming you here because I want you to come die for me. He's a king who said, no, 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 no. In my kingdom, the king actually dies for his people. 
He's a king that says, no, 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 no. I need you to do, 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 do. And he says, no, no, no. There's a whole bunch that you can't do. That's why I showed up to be the king that does the very thing that you could never do for yourself. That's how Jesus uses his power and authority. He's a king who protects his people, loves his people, dies for his people, fights for his people, and ultimately wins victory for his people. Now, where does Jesus' kingdom rule and reign? It's not a physical kingdom yet. It's a kingdom in your heart. He wants to rule and reign right here. And what happens is when you believe in Jesus, you don't just say, no, no, that's great. Jesus died on the cross for me. That means someday I'm going to get to go to heaven. He's my savior. No, in that moment, he becomes your Lord, the leader of your life, and the king. And he sits to rule and reign on the throne of your life. And it's his word that trumps your word. It's his way that trumps your ways. And what happens is his kingdom is reversed. So all of the things that you know uh, about America and culture and the systems of the world and how the powerful oppress people and how there's division racially and, and how the great are people who have more and, and there's all of this separation, that stuff all gets flipped in the kingdom of God. And I can't wait to show it to you because what happens in the kingdom of God is that we as his people start to look like the king. And isn't that awesome? You start to look around people and you're like, bro, that's just not normal. That doesn't look worldly. That looks different because Jesus Christ is the king of that person's life. And isn't that beautiful when you see it? And it doesn't make sense to a watching world, but all the more it's a testimony. There's a different king and a different kingdom, and we live according to his ways, not the world's ways. So I can't wait to show you guys that. Luke chapter 10, that's where we're going tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, two people, one sitting, one serving, Mary and Martha. It's a familiar text. Um, originally, I text this, uh, I named this text, Every Day I'm Hustling. You guys know that rap song? Every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling. You guys don't know? Okay. It's an amazing song. Hustling, hustling, hustling. Okay, all right. So it's an amazing, amazing song. And it's, it's, uh, it, it's catchy. But I, I named this, this, like, when I was journaling and, like, working through this text personally, like, it, it made me feel like that song came to mind because um, Christianity, life in the kingdom, can seem like, at times, just one more hustle in our lives. Here's what I mean. When I met Jesus as a college freshman, all that I knew is Jesus had taken my shame. My soul felt lighter. I, I had somewhere to take my guilt and shame. This Savior relieved that. What am I going to do with all this filth, this dirtiness that I feel before God? He said, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not just going to dismiss it. I'm going to make you clean. He says, I'm making you a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Whatever stain, I'm going to make it as white as snow. Guys, that should lift your spirits. Amen. That's really good news. I don't have to walk around with that all knit up, hoping that nobody knows, nobody discovers, nobody sees my worst. God knew my worst, and he took it. That was changing me on the inside out. I, I felt, we've heard some testimonies already last night. Um, two, two of you, uh, Tony, and say your name one more time. Jalil, got it. He, he got up and said, man, I, at a fall getaway, I felt empowered to forgive my dad. Like, that was the same story that God was writing my heart, lifting my bitterness, taking me, doing a new work in me. Um, then God was starting to call me away from some things. I don't know if you're there in that place where you're a Christian, you've bowed your knee to Jesus, and you're like, I don't actually want to live the same way that I used to live. Like, I'm done with that. Like, I've kind of lost my appetite for that thing. And so I was enjoying God. And by the way, I was enjoying God's people. Like, I don't know about you, but like in high school, I had some friends and played basketball and, did, and just was graciously enough to have a couple socially normal friends. I, I appreciated that. But here's what happened. In high school, I started going through some pain points. I started telling some friends about it. 
And have any of you guys had friends when they, they start to hear about your pain points and your anxiety and your hurts and your, your addictions, they're like, we don't want to hear that. We just want party Chris back. We want fun Chris back. We want that version of you back, but we don't want to hear about your hurt. And I got into Christian community and realized how different the people of God are. Christians, do you guys know you're called to mourn with one another? Like when somebody in this room has a family member that gets cancer, you don't run away. You press in, right? You're called to rejoice with one another. Like when somebody else in here crushes it, even in a way that you're not crushing it, we clap because that's our family, right? We root for each other. We celebrate with each other. We rejoice when God's doing something new, even if it's something different than what we wish he would do in our lives. And I love that about the people of God. We, we love each other like a spiritual family. When things get weird, we don't just push away. You want to know what's normal in the world? Cancel. You cancel that relationship. You know what's new and amazing about the people of God? We bear with one another. That's amazing. And so I didn't even know all this, but I was experiencing new Christian community where we love, we pray, we laugh, we have joy, but we don't get drunk and compromise. But we have all the real stuff, but it comes out of the gospel. And I was enjoying the people of God. So I met Jesus, and before I met Jesus, I was so busy making much of me. I had worked out because I, didn't want to, I wanted to look good. I was hooping because I wanted to get the affirmation of the coach. I dated girls because I wanted validation. I had a job because I wanted to make money to buy clothes to impress other people. Like life was about me, and I was busy sinning and serving me. And let me just tell you guys, it was super empty. Anybody else been there? The biggest thing in your life is you, and you quickly realize that's not a big enough thing to live for. So I was there. And, and then I became a Christian. I just told you, like, I met Jesus, and God had started changing things. And then, and then I walked into a room like this and got involved in the campus ministry. And, and, and then they were like, hey, you know what? You could start helping this ministry. And I'm like, I, you want me to start? You want me to MC it? I'm probably, I'm like the most socially normal Christian in the room. Honestly, the guy you had up here was absolute trash. Like, I could do better than that. Like, um, and, and he was like, no, I have a different role for you. You could start stacking chairs. It's like, oh, that's super cool. Yeah, I'd love to stack chairs. So I started stacking chairs. And, and then there was like a men's Bible study that met on Tuesday night. So I started going to the men's Bible study. And then there was like the weekly meeting. And then there was like, hey, we're going to pray at 6 a.m. on campus because we want to see revival happen. And then I kind of went, even though I didn't want to go, because I felt like to be a real Christian, you had to go to the early morning prayer thing. So I went there, and then there was the Sunday morning church thing, and then soon they started asking me to lead stuff. So then it was like, oh, you could lead. Maybe you could lead your own group and lead an evangelism thing, and there's a mission trip over spring break. And then, and then I just, man, I was getting tired. Have you ever been there? Like, Christianity became more about what I was doing, not who I was becoming or what I was enjoying. And so I had this constant guilt, like, man, I'm not even reading my Bible for me anymore. Like, I barely pray. Like, I just feel like all I want to do is, I, all I'm doing is serving and laboring and, and doing the thing and showing up and stacking the chairs and, and, and loading up my car and taking people to places. Like, all of that is good, but then there's, like, laundry and, like, schoolwork and finals and somebody's birthday party, and then there's all this ministry stuff. And so before I knew it, I had exchanged being exhausted by the things of the world by just being exhausted trying to serve Jesus. And there was this massive thing happening in my heart where Christianity was becoming a lot more duty and very little beauty. I was trying to give people something I was no longer experiencing. And that wasn't a healthy place for me to be. I wonder if you've ever been there. 
Uh, how many of you guys are there maybe today? Like, you guys are the leaders. Like, there's some of you in this room that, like, this whole thing, like, started months ago. You were praying for freshmen. You strategically kind of organized your life the first few weeks of campus because you wanted to reach out to freshmen. You were trying to move towards people who otherwise weren't going to move towards Jesus. That's awesome. But you're tired. And it's been, like, two, three weeks. Some of your staff have been pushing and grinding and going hard. Somebody set up this stage and the tech booth and all those signs that got you here. Somebody did all that, right? There, there's people that have been serving and laboring. And I wonder if you're there. And I wonder if you're just tired because you've been running after the world and you're coming in exhausted. I wonder if you're on E, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Well, I want to show you guys Jesus. That's what I want to show you in this text. I want to show you what he's inviting you into. I want to show you how he moves our work into a place of worship where he invites us to come and receive. So where are we at in our text? We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. Jesus is um, traveling with the 12 disciples. If you've ever followed the life of Jesus, uh, Jesus is born, grows into a man, picks 12 disciples. Uh, he does some miracles uh, in Peter's hometown next to the Sea of Galilee. And it says he, in, in Luke chapter 9, he sets his face towards Jerusalem. So the whole back half of this book is him traveling, preaching, and teaching and on the way, he's going to stay with some friends, Mary and Martha, and it sets up our scene today. One's going to sit at his feet and enjoy him. One's going to just get busy working for him, and we're going to see the tension in the text. So um, let me just read the text out loud for us, okay? So here we are, Luke uh, chapter 10. If you guys got your Bibles open, we'll read it together. Uh, so here it, here's, here's the text. Uh, he, he says this. I'll start with Luke uh, chapter uh, 10, verse 38. Here's what the woman said. A woman named Martha welcomed him and uh, Jesus into her house. So I want to show you guys real quickly two different characters, okay? So two different characters. The first character is Martha. And what we learn about Martha very quickly is she's the one who sees Jesus. He's traveling. And he says, no, no, Jesus, I got a place for you to stay. I know you're coming in hungry. I know you're coming in tired. I know you're looking for a meal. I, I, I know you have a need, and I, I want to welcome you into my house. Uh, so Jesus knew Mary and Martha. He had already previously healed their brother Lazarus from the dead. And, and so without hesitation, uh, Martha is inviting Jesus to feed, uh, feed them. And so this is an amazing, amazing, amazing place to be. But after welcoming Jesus in the house, Martha then goes into the kitchen, puts on her apron, starts getting the cookware out, starts to get to work. She makes a list of things to do. Okay, so Jesus showed up. Lots of people here. We're going to need some extra groceries. We've got to chop up some vegetables. We've got to make the meal. There's a lot of things. Now, listen, it's going to be easy to make fun of Martha, but let's keep it real. If some of y'all have the gift of hospitality and you love to cook, I love you. That's incredible. Does anybody else love to eat? I love to eat. I love ministry events where we eat. I appreciate people with the gift of hospitality. Martha's spiritual gift is hospitality. She is pro-Jesus, and she is pro-serving, and it is awesome. And you know what else the Bible says? The Bible says that we should be people who practice hospitality. Like this is so serious in the Bible that like one of the requirements to be an elder, which is the highest level of leadership in the local church, is that we would be people who practice hospitality. It, it's a serious thing to get around a table and share a meal and experience each other as brothers and sisters and experience a family. It's an awesome thing. And again, I'm, I'm going to pick on Martha a little bit for how she serves and, and how she grinds and how she gets distracted. But Again, the scripture says, if you're a Christian, it's not just about you being a consumer. The spirit of God has given you a spiritual gift, something to build up the body of Christ so that other peoples can grow in their faith. So some of you guys will never preach and teach the Bible, but some of you will make a meal and that will bless somebody. 
And some of you will listen to people in a time of a pain point, and you will uh, counsel them and listen to them and care for them and display mercy to them, and that will help them heal. And that is an amazing gift of Jesus, and he's using you to bless his people. So if you're pouring yourself out, let me just say this. If you're the one who's stacking the chairs and preparing the Bible studies, and you've been inviting, and you're promoting, and you've been laboring, can I just tell you, that is good and God-honoring. That's an amazing place to be. The Bible would say death to self, uh, life to other people. Like it's going to say, if you really want to get serious about Christianity, you've got to pick up your cross and follow him. This is not just a road of comfort. This is a road of sacrifice. But the thing that Jesus shines a light on uh, is not Martha's external actions, but her heart posture along the way. See, she starts to get angry. She starts to get frustrated. She's going to go to Jesus and demand that he rebukes her sister Instead of enjoying Jesus now, she's going to start bossing him around, and that's not a good place to be. Let me, again, show you guys this uh, this text, verse 39. Here's what it says. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not even care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Do you guys see the amazing tension here? One of the things that we get in this warning is that it is very possible for you to give your life to serving Jesus and not being experiencing Jesus. Martha was doing everything externally right she welcomed Jesus in, she was serving, she wasn't a taker, she was a, not a spiritual consumer, right? Like she was leveraging her life. Martha was active, she was generous, she was doing the thing. But it says that she was distracted with much serving. She's distracted and she was anxious. She's worried about all she's got to get done. She's worried about what other people are, aren't doing. She's troubled by all these things and she's blind to the fact that the God who knit her together in her mother's womb, who created everything seen and unseen, is the very one who's going to go to the cross for her, is in her living room. Guys, do you ever think about how stupid your fears are sometimes? Have you ever had that realization? Like, I, I sometimes think about, man, I get all worked up, all distracted, all anxious inside with little things. And, like, this is one of those moments where I'm looking at Martha like, Martha, like, why are you so stressed out? Like, you're worried about a casserole. You know what I mean? Like, can we just say it out loud? Like, what are you really worried about? The girl not going to text you back. Oh, my gosh. The sovereign Lord of heaven is controlling your life. He's controlling the sun, raising and falling. Right? He, he's controlled every breath that you take. There's not one thing that's happened to your life that has been some coincidence and accident. God is in control of it all. You're stressed out about a casserole. And does not the Bible tell us? What I love about this is the Bible is amazing. If you just get serious about it, what did Jesus do? What is one of his most incredible miracles right before this? He fed 5,000 people with two fishes and a couple pieces of bread. And Martha's like, I'm stressed out about dinner. And Jesus is like, hey, did you not just, did we not just do the whole miracle thing with the food? Did we not? I, it's going to be okay, Martha. You know what I mean? Like this is one of those moments she's distracted and she's anxious about many things and what should have been her posture instead is she should have been full of joy understanding that the god who's knit her together that loves her and pursues her and knows her and can actually die for her is actually in her very living room right i just wonder can anyone else relate to martha i i, I can and i think that 
that we can oftentimes do this. We get so busy trying to do a bunch of good things, but slowly we start to turn out, tune out the voice of Jesus in our lives. Before we can recognize what's happened, we are distracted, preoccupied, busy, unable to remember the last time we even heard from Jesus. I just want to know if there's anybody else that's overcommits to ministry activities. I do. Before I know it, I love to say yes because I love to be needed and I love to feel like I have something to offer. And sometimes I feel like that's a symptom of being an orphan in the kingdom of God. Still feeling like my status is actually predicated on my performance for God instead of what he's accomplished for me. At the end of, of trying to do ministry, serving others, we oftentimes get excited about what God's doing in other people's lives, all the while we, we fail to let Jesus speak into our lives. Have you ever found yourself championing, man, I'm so excited that you're reading your Bible. I'm so excited you're going to fall getaway, but empty inside. Christianity can become an exhausting duty. And you know you're there in that place when your primary inner dialogue with God, like we're not gonna say this stuff out loud, right? But if your inner dialogue with God is more grumbling than gratitude, you're in the place of Martha. You've been doing more for God than enjoying his beauty. If you find yourself disappointed with God, like look at where this takes her, right? Look, She's distracted with many things. And what is this? What does she actually get herself to do? Like in this text, she stops what she's doing. And she, she goes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, I'm so busy in there. It's awesome that you're preaching and my sister's taking notes. But do you even care about me? Have you ever been in that spot where like you're doing all the things and you feel empty and two things happen? Why aren't they doing everything that I'm doing, right? Your horizontal posture starts to become judgmental towards others. Like y'all aren't doing enough. You're not carrying your weight. You need to be doing more and trying harder so you can be just as miserable as I am. Have you ever been like that's Martha? And then this impacts the way she sees Jesus. Like time out. If you and your relationship with God are, you're starting to get bossy with Jesus, like, Jesus, I think I need to tell you what you need to be doing right now. Like, that might be a sign that you don't understand who King Jesus is rightly. Like, Martha's totally missing it. She feels the freedom to go into the living room and tell Jesus that he doesn't care, and the reality is that Jesus deeply cares. He deeply cares. The reality is Martha's doing something that Jesus never asked her to do, and now she's grumbling about it. Is this not a picture of where we can allow our hearts to go when we turn Christianity in the kingdom of God into I've got to perform for God, I've got to do for God, I've got to bless and serve other people. Meanwhile, we stop enjoying his presence and his beauty. Listen, I just want to preach the gospel to you. Can I do that? The primary, the primary message of this book is not that God is asking you to come and serve and give your life away. It's not Christianity. It's not do more for the king. That's not it. Do you know what the primary message of this book is? Jesus came and he said, I've come to serve and give my life away as a ransom for many. Jesus is the first to serve. Jesus is the one who washes the disciples' feet. Jesus is the one who served you. And you said, how, how am I on the receiving end of the service of God? Well, did Jesus die for his sins or did he die for your sins? See, Christian, that's the great news of the gospel is that we are on the receiving end of God's sacrifice and service towards us. He, the king of all kings, Philippians chapter 2, went from the thrones of glory down into humanity, into a place of death on a cross. He was buried, and now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, exalted. This is our king. What, what are we as Christians but people who have been on the receiving end of God's service for us?
This is awesome. So let me just ask you, take inventory of the Marthas in our hearts, okay? Who are you angry with because you think they're not doing as much as you are? Can we just keep it real? Has anybody else had that moment where you're looking around? Maybe you guys don't. Okay, I've done that. Okay. Um, Oftentimes, I can get a little bit self-righteous in that as I look at other people. Where are you tempted to go, Jesus, do you even care? Do you even care that I'm doing all of this? I'm the one serving. I'm the one going. I'm the one leading. I'm the one helping. I'm tired. I'm weary. Do you even care? Do you see me in this place? Do you care? Have you been tempted to say that? Were you grumbling against God instead of being grateful for the opportunity to serve others like Christ has served you? So uh, I I don't want you to hear, hey, we need to stop serving. No, like what needs to happen is we're going to see Mary's heart, okay? And we're going to see Martha's hands. Her hands are active, but her heart's wrong. What, What happens with Mary is she has an amazing heart, but her hands aren't doing anything. I think the gospel actually empowers our hands to serve and our heart to be stirred with affection. So that's what I want us to see. But Let's meet Mary real quickly, okay? So Mary's on the other side of this. Some of you guys um, are too busy serving. That's probably me. I'm like ADD, extroverted, love to go, like 100%. I wear people out. Like, I see it in my wife all the time. I used to think, like, I got to protect my wife from bad people. No, I need to protect my wife from me because I get overcommitted, and i like, we should have more people over. And she's like, Chris, we have no food, literally none, you know? Like, we're going to chop up that popsicle, you know? We'll multiply it, you know? Like, it's just... It doesn't work, right? And oftentimes in life, there's two different kinds of people. There's some of you guys are like inward focus, journaling and prayer and meditation and theological study and solitude. You're like, yes, Lord, the quiet places whisper to me, Lord. I love your word. I'm so disciplined. And then there's others you're like, no, I don't meet the Lord there. I meet the Lord in activity and on move and and at places with people and noise and chaos. And I want to serve and I want to do something like, can we keep it real? Like that's oftentimes you're going to miss it on one or the other, right? And in Christianity, there's really are, there's two empty sides here. Like one is Christian consumerism. One is I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to salt. I'm going to sit. I'm going to listen to preaching. I'm going to take notes. I'm not going to give any money ever. I'm never going to offer to serve. I'm not going to ask to, I'm not going to offer to be a blessing to somebody else. I'm just here to receive. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Help me, help me, help me. That's fine to come into the family of God as a baby, but you can't stay there. You can't stay there, right? Like the whole, like we're going to talk about this, but like you're going to get healthier as you start to serve and give your life away to be a blessing to other people because the Holy Spirit's in you. And it's not just in there so you can make much of you. It's in there so you can serve the people of God and build up the kingdom of God right now, right? Like I've been loud since birth. I mean, literally my mom has all these records of like you got kicked out of school every year. Every year, Chris, I'm like, be blessed, mom. The Lord has redeemed that voice for the glory of God. Now, right? And so whatever that is, like God wants to redeem it. God wants to use it. Can I just remind you, like Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for you in advance. If you are a Christian, you are not here just buying time until you go to heaven. You have a role in the kingdom of God. That's awesome. So there shouldn't be a whole lot of room for Christian consumerism. And yet we can go to the other side and make Christianity this ministry where all we do is do, 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 do. And it's exhausting and it's tiring and it's wearisome. And we make the kingdom of God about performing for a king when it's actually about enjoying his presence. We start there. 
We start there. We have nothing to give if we haven't first received. You ever been on an airplane? What's the first thing they say? They're like, hey, if we get in an accident, this thing goes down. You're going to see the uh, air mask come down. And what are the first thing they do? They put it on your face. Because if you're not breathing, you can't help anybody else. And like, I think the posture for us is like, if you're not enjoying the presence of God, you're trying to sell a savior you're not experiencing. And Christianity becomes empty. Does it not? It becomes lonely. It becomes religious duty. And I just want you to know the king has more for you. Look at Mary. Here's what she says. So Martha comes in. It's like, hey, Jesus, you got to go talk to my sister because she ain't doing what I'm doing. He says this. But the one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So Jesus rebukes Martha and's like, actually, if you want to talk about which one's priority, I appreciate the dinner and the casserole, but what is, what is Mary doing? Mary is enjoying the word of God. She's enjoying the presence of God. She's enjoying relationship with God. She's not trying to perform. She's just enjoying the presence of Jesus. Mary's heart was experiencing life and joy in Jesus. And what's interesting is that, that Jesus says she chose rightly. She got it right, Martha. You're frustrated, but she got it right. And what's amazing is, again, that, that Martha hasn't performed. Martha didn't preach a sermon, heal some sick person, do some big thing. Like, Mary's just sitting there enjoying God, and Jesus is like, that's actually enough. Like, if I had to pick which one should be priority, it should be presence with Jesus instead of performing for him. So there, there might be some of you that are here sitting here and thinking, man, get Get near to Jesus. Sit with Jesus. Listen to Jesus. That's never going to be. I mean, I'm not a Bible reader. I'm not good at praying. I, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not the kind of person that spends a lot of time with God. And again, I, I just want to say, like, I, I've been there. I understand that. But I've come to actually love the word of God. I've come to enjoy the presence of God. I've come to discipline my mind and fill it with his truth and his word and realize that, like, the joy that you're looking for isn't on another article that you find or another picture you scroll past. But, like, in the presence of Jesus, there is joy forevermore like i love psalm 16 psalm 16 says that in his presence there is joy and i've come to meditate on the word of god i've come to fill my mind with his truth and think about his grace and i'm like the add active person that struggles to sit but here's what i know there's no substitute for being in the presence of god sitting doesn't come natural to me but it's necessary for me it's necessary for me and Jesus says this, he has this amazing invitation. He says, if you will seek me, you will find me. If you will seek me, you will find me. So please don't just, I just want to speak to all the people who are active and kind of on the go and addicted to the next thing and the next YouTube thing and the next, like, I just want to invite you. Like, don't just settle for coming to church or salt or listening to preachers and hearing about God. I want you to hear his voice as you open this book. The word of God is living and active. We're going to be talking about that. And second, I just want to remind you that the gospel is not, um, for you to start serving God. It's about how God has already served you. And what he's not inviting you to do is just come and get busy making much of him. What he's inviting you to do is to be with him. Like, if you zoom out on the gospel story, the story is about God creating people, right? People have rebelled against a holy God who created them. It's called idolatry, it's sin, it's not okay. God's response to your sin, my sin, our sin, is that he sent his very best, Jesus Christ, from heaven to earth to come and seek and save us, and he served us by giving his life. Now, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave. Okay, you might have heard that. 
Let me ask you this question. What does God get in the gospel? What does God get in the gospel? A whole bunch of servants? No. He gets a whole bunch of sons and daughters. What God gets in the gospel is you. And you know what he calls you? His church, his bride, his beloved. What we get in the gospel is Jesus. What Jesus gets in the gospel is us. And that doesn't mean that you start and earn by serving. It means that you come and enjoy his presence. One of the ways I've seen this play out in my life is I'm here with my son Paxton. He's 10 years old. And uh, I wanted him to bring him here for two reasons. One, I just want to see the gospel diversity of this group. And two, I wanted him to catch a vision for being a college student one day that would walk with Jesus. So thank you for letting me bring my 10-year-old. The story of how I've seen this kingdom principle lived out in our relationship when we were talking about that, I asked him, like, when did I invite you to do something that you really weren't good at doing? And uh, we both had the same thing, but I didn't want to call him out and put him on blast while I was here, so I I let him confess it. But um, we have trees in our backyard. I don't know if you guys, your parents have this thing, but like, um, and we do mulch. Like, I don't love to mulch. I'm not like, oh, I can't wait. You know what I want to do Saturday? Just move mulch around. I, I just love it. But believe me, you're laughing at me. You will be middle-aged someday, and you will have trees too, and they will need mulch, and you will be blessed, okay? And so, uh, so like a boss, I load up my wife's minivan and got some bags of mulch, you know? Like, and, uh, and, and let me tell you about mulch. Mulch never goes as far as you think it will go, so you're like, oh, I need more, right? So then we actually hired a dump truck to come and like Literally, it, it dumped a big, massive mound of mulch on our driveway. And so me and Paxton were like, oh, Pax, you can come. And he's like, can I help you, Dad? In the back of my mind, this was like a couple years ago, I'm like, this is not going to go well. Have you been there? Like, this is not. He can barely move the shovel, and he has like a snow shovel out in the middle of our front yard on the driveway. He's got his little gloves, and he's trying, and he's dropping the mulch more on the grass than on the trees. And then he just starts to shovel it and just moves it around the driveway. So now it's not even in a central pile. Okay? Now, why am I telling that story? Now, as a father, I said yes to the invitation to Paxton, come help me move this mulch. Not because he was useful, but because I wanted his relationship. I wanted time with him. And I just want you to know that's your posture in the kingdom of God. He really doesn't need you to do all that much. He's sovereign. He's advancing his kingdom. He'll use you, but he's not dependent on you. And I just want you to know, like, what he really wants is you. What he really wants is your heart. What he really wants is your affection. What he really wants is your worship. Like, the most useful people in the kingdom of God are the people that are most delighted in the personal work of Jesus Christ. Because when your heart dances with Jesus, your heart loves Jesus, you'll find ways to serve him. And it won't become work. It will become an act of worship. Your whole life becomes worship. What you do, how you serve, like, I'm up here, not for a paycheck, not for some free merch. I I drove all the way from Omaha to the sticks of Minnesota to be with you guys in this camp I've never heard of in my life, right? I'm sleeping on some bunk bed. Do you know how many years it's been since I slept on a bunk bed? Man, like like I'm going to bed tonight, like, Lord, I'm carrying my cross. Like, Jesus, I'm, it better be a special jewel in heaven for me, you know, like, like, so I'm here, I'm here not because I want to work and do this thing. I'm, I'm here because I want you to worship Jesus Christ and find life in him. And so although I'm going to go to bed tired, I'm going to get in my car Saturday night, I'll be exhausted. You guys know those moments. But, but my worship doesn't start even as I work. Like, it, my, it doesn't stop. Like, this is joy to me. It's joy to me because God is personal to me. And I want you guys to know him in that way. So where do I want us to go? I want to, one, number one, if you're a Christian, and you're here, 
And it's been a while since you have encountered the grace of God personally. I'm going to give you a couple texts. Read Psalm chapter 1, Psalm chapter 16, and Psalm chapter 23 this weekend. Just say, you know what? There's always going to be something going on. Guys, this weekend is going to go by so fast. And it's actually crazy possible to go through this whole weekend and have never heard the voice of God, just you and him. And I don't want that. Like, if you do one thing, don't win the talent show. Don't show everybody how of a baller you are. Hey, you want to boom on everybody and show them you still got it. Okay, that's fine. It's great. Go do you. But you know what I want more than all that? Some insta moments. Like, literally just open the word of God and let it speak to you. Hear the Father's voice. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The rest you're looking for isn't just activity and extrovertedness and all. Hear the voice of God. He wants to speak to you. He loves you. He wants to revive your weary soul. He has a word for you. But you've got to do the work to just literally get your eyes on this book and let the voice of God speak to you. If, if you're not doing that and you're grumbling in your relationship with God and you're telling God, how could you care? Look at all I'm doing. I just want to invite us to repent of that sin. That's not okay. Like, God is good. You might not be enjoying him and experiencing him, but he's inviting you into more, and you're refusing to come sit at his feet. Would you repent of that busy-minded, busy-bodied posture before God, and would you sit and be with Jesus this weekend? Let me pray. So, God, simply want to say thank you that you're a God, that this whole thing, this whole good news is that you came to serve us. You came to give your life for us. You came to take away the sins of the world. You came to bless us and give us life. And now the invitation isn't to come into your kingdom and do more, try harder, impress. No, the invitation in this kingdom is to have a relationship with you that continues to sustain and give life. And so, Lord, I pray that we would enjoy your presence. We would let your word speak and change and transform our hearts, that we would sing, not out of religious duty tonight, but out of worship as we remember all that you've done to ransom our hearts from death to life and back to yourself. God, thank you for being a God who pursued us. Thank you for being a God who served us. Thank you for being a God who reminds us. It's not about what we have to give in the kingdom, about, about what this king came to give to us. So Lord, I wanna pray for these students that they would have an encounter with you this weekend. Like, again, I'm not just, I'm not asking for some crazy miracle. I'm asking God for you to give yourself to these students. God, would you speak to them in a personal way? Each one of them is showing up this weekend with something that they need. Some hunger, some thirst, some exhaustion, some weariness, some shame, some guilt, some pressure and anxiety. God, would you speak a word to them that they would go back and not just say, man, I had fun. I hooped, had some games, won this thing, had some laughs, met some friends. But they would say, I heard from God. God, would you speak? You are living and active. God, we want you this weekend. We want to up our expectations. God, we want more than a hyper-religious event. We want you, God. Hear our hearts. Collectively, our hearts are saying, we want you. We welcome your word and your spirit and your presence. God, we want to be more aligned with your kingdom, 
We want to know you as our king. We want to experience rest in your presence. We want to hear truth in your word. We want to be revived by your love. We want to be fathered by you. Spirit of God, meet us in this place. Would we choose to pull away and meet with you? And would you choose to speak in a mighty way? We pray.